Clover Days Collective. This is Take Two. Is Take Two. Hello, hello. How are you all doing? A little bit of a different start to the episode than usual, but as you can tell, in the title of this episode, my guests are Nicole and Anne-Marie from Wall Street, which is a stock investing app. Now, why is it that I'm here? The reason that I'm here is because I just want to give a little bit of a disclaimer that in no way am I partnered or affiliated with my Wall Street. I just took the opportunity to have an educational discussion about money. In saying that, enjoy the conversation. Alrighty, Rue. So, girls, I'm Marie and Nicole from my Wall Street. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having us on. So, let's start out a little bit. So, Nicole, you would have reached out to me and Mm -hmm. you were like, Deb, let's talk a little bit about money and investing. Yeah. How did you get started? into like all of this into this space yes so um I actually only started investing when I started working at my wall street so um when you start they give us some money to get you know obviously started and before that I did kind of think that like investing was only for rich people I had been like a financial writer before but for like things like mortgages and things like that so my knowledge about the stock market was limited but yeah, I definitely thought it was only for like wealthy people. You needed a lot of money to start. So joining my Wall Street was kind of great because you get like you get all the free content. You're constantly writing about it, learning about it. And I was like, okay, this is something I definitely have to do. Um, when I, when I saw like my you know our colleagues' re- stock returns, um, who'd been investing a bit longer than us, I was like, yes, I definitely have to start as soon as possible. Yeah, I think just the stock the concept of stocks or like the investing industry in general is really intimidating especially Mm -hmm. for beginners Mm -hmm. like I'm gonna use myself as an example so I'm really really bad with numbers very bad Mm -hmm. completely (laughs) so whenever so it's not just that I'm like intimidated by numbers but sometimes I think I might degrade myself in just like even how I talk about myself when it comes to numbers I'm just like oh no (laughs) I can't do that Mm. also it looks really risky yeah. And yeah. it's almost like gambling at the end of this. <laughs> like, it's not it. But uh, some I think with the likes of social media, a lot of people are glorifying it in such a way where it kind of is gambling, unfortunately. What about you, Anne-Marie? How did you get started in investing in general? Um, I guess, like, my knowledge of investing started out a bit younger. But I think the only reason for that is I grew up in the US. And I think investing is just like a larger part of your kind of everyday narrative. I think like there's kind of the understanding that in order to sustainably retire in the United States, you have to be investing because our kind of social infrastructure isn't really set up to like allow you to be able to retire simply on your social security. And so that meant that my also my dad is an accountant. So he was, you know, kind of always on the inside and thinking about stuff like that. So kind of from the time I was a teenager, I was aware that he was investing and it was something that he, you know, kind of kept an eye on once a month or something like that. And he was kind of checking in with. And really, like I had money that was just sitting in a savings account, not really doing anything. Um while I was in high school and I just ended up going to him and being like, here, will you take some of this and just put it into something? Because like you really don't make any money in a savings account. Um, there's practically no interest in them. And so, yeah, he just kind of took it from me and, and just put it into some index funds, like really easy stuff that you don't really have to think about. And um, that was kind of my intro to it. And then like I didn't really seriously consider investing in individual companies or, you know, thinking about like, oh, developing an investment thesis or any of the stuff that we do now really until I started working at my Wall Street. And I think that was just my Wall Street, like because it's our job, we're granted so much time to think about it and do so much research and due diligence because like we're pitching, um, you know, information to other people. And so like, you know, I spend 40 hours a week doing it now. So it just seems all the more kind of reasonable and <laughs> like safe and less risky because I like have, have have had to sit down and read about it all the time. I see. So is your life basically just looking at numbers going up and down not really I actually don't really look at so much of the quantitative stuff so we do like long-term investing so we're picking companies that like you would hold on to for like 30 or 40 years Mm -hmm. so I do some financial modeling but it's kind of like just one of the steps I do along the way like I'm far more interested in like the story of the company how it was founded like who's on the management team like 
like what type of market are they interested in pursuing? Um, yeah, our like founding CEO um, is a guy named Emmett Savage, and he's like quite a famous investor. He's done really well over the last kind of 20 years. And he always says that companies are stories. Yeah. So it's a lot less about like just focusing on their quarterly reports and like how much revenue they're bringing in and far more, you know, seeing what the CEO's long-term plan is and how they envision their company growing over the next 30 years, um, which I am fortunate about because I think if I held my position in really any other investment company, I would, yeah, just look at numbers all the time, mm. day in and day out and run models. And um, yeah, that's not the, it's not the most glamorous part of the job. <laughs> and, and how does investing based on a company's story help? Is it just because it is a long-term thing where the chances of you liking this person or liking this company, it will work out in 30 years, sort of? I think it just makes it a bit more accessible, really. Like the the benefit of long-term investing is it truthfully, like from a statistical analysis point of view, is like the only way that an individual investor could potentially beat the market. So like mm-hmm. that's what my Wall Street was kind of set up to do. So you can invest in an index fund, which means that you're investing in the entirety of the market. So for example, the S&P 500 is the 500 largest companies in the United States. And you can just put money in that. And it does like pretty well every year. Um, And that's kind of like the way you can invest on autopilot and not have to think about it. But like my Wall Street's whole point is, hey, if you sit down and spend a couple hours every month and think about companies that you love and interact with and build your own little portfolios of stocks, there's the potential that you could actually beat the market and make even more money over a long term. And we have seen that like, if you hold a diversified portfolio for, I think it's like 20 years, if you've diversified enough, the likelihood of you losing money is literally zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think like our point of focusing on story and focusing on the people involved and trying to make companies understandable to people is hoping to unlock that potential for them. Um, I also think like people are far more likely to be interested in investing when they get to invest in companies that they interact with and love. So like if you really love Nike clothing and you invest in Nike, it means that you're likely to hold the stock through downturn and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of like personalizes it a bit for people. Mm-hmm. It takes yeah, it out of that so. kind of like strict financial world. Mm-hmm. It, it it adds a little bit more of a value to it, I guess, rather than just a number, eh? Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah definitely. And who would be, like, your favorite companies so far? Or who who does my Wall Street like to push <laughs> currently? Well, <laughs> the so spots. the shortlist, I think, currently has... A, yeah, I think we have 110 stocks on the shortlist currently, um, which we add one new one every month. So, like, it, it's constantly being updated with new companies. Um so there's too many for me to list all of them. But my personal favorite company that I talk about all the time to the point that it is annoying is, <laughs> Nicole, what company is that? Costco. <laughs> it's Costco. I love Costco. So um, Costco's a like a – it's just like a – it's like a grocery store in the United States basically. Um, but it's huge. Like they – it's called a warehouse store. Um, and they build these massive warehouses all over the U.S., and they are a wholesaler, which means that they sell products at cost. So there's no markup on them, so people save money. The one caveat is is you pay $50 a year to like be allowed to shop there. But And Costco does really well. My parents shop there all the time. It's like they're a great store. Um, but the reason I love Costco so much is um, for like the last 25 years, they have been commended as being like one of the number one places in the United States to work, which mm. is shocking because like traditionally working in a grocery store is like a really thankless job and people tend to be underpaid and they don't get any benefits. But in um, Costco, like they are traditionally some of the best paid workers um, in the kind of in the retail segment. And then they get like comprehensive medical insurance. They get retirement plans, all of these great perks. And it's something like the average Costco employee will stay working there for nine years, which in retail is unheard of. And so mm-hmm. I really like Costco because it makes me feel good about investing because I'm like, I get to put money in a company that like I have shopped there numerous times but then also i'm like supporting a company that is benefiting your community and is like very beneficial to the people that get to work there so you just feel good about it um particularly in like these times when you were hearing so much about people aren't making enough money and there's a push towards unionization and there's so much wage frustration right now so yeah that's kind of my and who's that for europe now what's my favorite yeah your favorite (laughs) one for europe that's similar to costco but is europe Mm. in terms of values not model does that make sense nicole chime in as well you know what i mean 
Like, I think I, I don't know. Is there like to be a fair, company Costco like is that? in the UK? Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Costco is in the UK, there. but like they are. I think they might be in Spain <laughs> too. Um, <laughs> I've never heard. I've never been in one, but I really want to go to one because Anne Marie talks about it so okay. much. <laughs> They're so good. No, yeah. it sounds to- as in. I think it's just in general when it comes to the job market right now. Obviously, talent moves around as often as possible, but usually the most common reason is shitty management. Let's put it that way. So knowing that there is a company out there with such billions, probably, if not more, Anne-Marie, you can correct me on that, um, that actually is treating their stuff well. (laughs) Like, good on them. Take my money. Yes, gladly. You know? Yeah. It's one of the few. 50 euros a year just to go in. Yeah, yeah. One, one of the few, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so that I'm, I'm trying to think of like other. Obviously, Elon Musk gets shit on, shat on all the time, <laughs> but praised all the time as well. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't we know have a feud fuck's... with Elon Musk. Do you? We don't like him. Well, I don't you like don't like him. him. <laughs> I think our company. I don't like Elon you Musk. Don't know, you don't like him. And yeah. Nicole has to not like him because Anne-Marie doesn't like him. <laughs> I am kind of indifferent why, why, to him. Why do you not like him? Um, I just think he's like a huge hypocrite. Like, yeah. I think he's a huge hypocrite because he went on this big tangent about free speech when he was... When he's in the process of trying to buy Twitter. That hasn't gone through yet. That could fall through. Um, I really could see that falling through, to be honest. Um yeah. But his whole crusade was, oh, I want to promote free speech on the platform. But Elon Musk has repeatedly fired employees from Tesla who have leaked like documentation to the public about like safety concerns in the cars. So like you cannot say, oh, I'm pro free speech and then deny your employees that right. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I had a friend of mine that actually gave me this like rule of thumb when it comes to whether or not she likes business people or business public figures anyways. And it's. I will judge them based on how the company or they treat their lowest level employee. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've heard that. Yeah, I think Elon Musk as a brand, Elon Musk as a brand is not, not great, but like, uh, what you call it? Obviously the, the science that he's bringing to the world is like interesting, you know, mm. but uh, I like that he doesn't mind shitting on like people from the united nations about like transparency with their money like fair play to you you know mm. unfortunately it has to be a big voice like that to get a response but then if you're firing your lowest level employees because they're talking shit as well like <laughs> you know um yeah. it's yeah, kind he- of like he chooses his battles but the battles need to be chosen properly all the time you know yeah so yeah okay so we don't like elon musk over here or, or we're <laughs> indifferent to him um (laughs) honestly the world is going to shit we've got a billionaire trying to purchase a platform that like no one really cares about yeah um a living crisis a housing crisis recession let's talk about the recession what the fuck is happening girls yeah yeah like is a recession coming like i think we're basically in one it's gonna happen Aren't we, Emory? I think we're yeah. technically in one. We um, just have to wait to see how bad it's going to get. Yeah. We're so we're actually not technically in a recession right now. We are in a bear market for the stock mm. market, which means What does a bear the, market mean? So there's a bear market and a bull market. So when the market is bullish, it means it's going up, and when the market is bearish, it means it's going down. And we officially declare a bear market when the market has dropped more than 20%, and this year we have dropped more than 20%. So we're officially in a bear market. Um, which people tend to be like that is a signal we're heading into recession, but we are technically not in recession currently we are still in inflation quite extreme inflation at the minute um Mm -hmm. and that will probably continue for a while because um inflation is being caused by actually two factors so like the most basic definition of inflation is that there's too much demand and not enough supply and traditionally when we've seen inflation in the past it's because there is an excess of capital like money floating around the economy and we have that currently um for two reasons the first is that um people saved a lot of money during the pandemic if they were in the upper classes. Lower class people really struggled during the pandemic, often because they were working in industries where they were laid off. But like people who work from home and make six figures just continued to make money, but then just didn't have anywhere to spend it. Like they couldn't go on vacation and they couldn't, you know, go to the movie theater every week or whatever. Um, So they now are hoarding a bunch of money and they are now doing something that economists are calling um, 
what are they calling it? It's like revenge spending. That's what they call it. Where I'm sure if you talk to anyone who's currently working in like the Irish hospitality sector, they will tell you there are thousands of Americans flocking to Ireland right now and spending (laughs) ridiculous amounts of money to rent cars and stay in hotels. And they can do that because they have an excess of cash. So we have all these rich people pumping money into the economy. And then on top of that, businesses have an excess of cash because lending rates are really, really low. They're at practically 0%, which the reason that happened was in 2020 when the pandemic hit in order to stimulate the economy the Federal Reserve in the United States lowered um, interest rates to practically zero because they wanted to allow money to continuously flow into the economy because they were worried that there would be a recession caused by um, lockdowns. Mm -hmm. So now we have all this excess money floating around. And then on top of that, we don't have enough supply for a bunch of reasons, like housing, we don't have enough supply because we haven't been building enough houses. But then also like regular stuff is under a tremendous amount of strain because we have supply chain issues, which are happening because there are lockdowns in China. So it means that the ships cannot come into port to fill up on all the goods that need to go to the United States or the EU or wherever they're going. And then on top of that, we have the invasion of Ukraine. And Ukraine is so important for so many industries. So obviously oil and natural gas, a tremendous amount of that in the world is controlled by Russia. And there's now an embargo against Russia. So probably in the winter, we're going to be struggling with that. And then Russia and Ukraine control 30% of the world's grain. And the time for planting grain is in the early summer. And they've practically missed that window now. So we will probably have a run on grain coming into the winter. So that will cause prices to go up because there's not enough supply. So we're in inflation at the minute. And people think that the solution to inflation is recession, which is technically correct. But I guess like the solution to inflation is no like less inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the past, to get out of inflation, governments purposely trigger recessions. So it is possible that we will slump into a recession in the coming year. But um, what would the government trigger? Yeah, okay, there's more. Jesus no, no, fucking Christ. No, no, I okay, just want to add there. But that was that was really <laughs> negative, but it's true. But on a positive note, if you if you are a long-term investor, now is actually the best time to invest because the markets are down. So you can buy yes. shares that are usually that more correct. expensive. Um, but now they're at discount basically. So think of like now, if like everything else is kind of fucked, but if you're an investor and you're thinking of the long-term mindset, now you're like, oh, well, if I have 200 euros this month to invest, I can actually buy more shares than I could in 2020 when all the stocks were going high so there's one benefit from us being in a bear market and there potentially being a recession only really for your um your portfolio (laughs) yeah now in all honesty is our things are the lowest that they have been now will they get lower do you think we like have no way to call the bottom like it's yeah. yeah it's not possible to know like too many factors impact the stock market the most i would argue almost the most important factor of the stock market is just like general fear we there's like a a fear index that people um maintain and it's like trying to measure how much faith people have in the stock market and it's very low at the minute mm-hmm. and that's because like we're actually not in recession, but people are so worried that we might go into a recession that they have begun pulling their money out of the stock market. Mm -hmm. Because if you're worried, oh my gosh, my assets might lose 50% of their value. And what happens if I get laid off and I might need that money? Mm -hmm. So they're pulling it out so they can hold it in cash, which is like, which is a security tactic. And that's fair enough. Ideally, you would be investing in such a way though, that you wouldn't need the money for like 20 years. You could leave it in and it could just fluctuate with the market and it will eventually come back up. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, we can't call the bottom of the market. Like no one can do that. It's mm-hmm. like statistically impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are down significantly. Like some of the like our favorite companies, like some of our biggest names, they're down like seventy percent from an all time high, which is a phenomenal discount. And a lot of them are now quite undervalued. So it mm-hmm. is a great time um, to begin to invest. It's also a great time because this is the time when great companies really stand out and establish themselves as being great. Whereas Mm -hmm. companies that have kind of been taking advantage of excitement in the market um, might like wither away because they can't survive the economic conditions. Yeah, I see. And when it comes to what was I going to say? Oh yeah. Um, But also like money is there to be spent as well. Yeah. So like I'm assuming the people that took money out, obviously at a point in time, they have to take it out or else you're just going to die with money in your bank account, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. So it's um, like practical usage too, where it's like, save your money for a rainy day. You okay there, mate? <laughs> uh, save your money for a rainy day. Like this is the rainy day kind of. But also if you are saving up mm-hmm. for a car, considering the petrol prices right now, 
you're better off putting it in like investing it if I'm understanding you correctly. Yeah. Like we Yeah, so we tend to yeah. tell people to pick out like a long-term goal. So something, you know, that has at least probably like a five-year horizon. So for a lot of people, I know that who've spoken to us, who've used my Wall Street, um, it's like a down payment for a mortgage or it's like their kid's college fund or it's like retirement. Um, So it's good to like have an investment goal in mind rather than it just being kind of a knee-jerk reaction to a macroeconomic condition. Mm. I see. Okay. All right, that's a lot. Let's uh, sorry that for a bit. I'm no, so sorry. Like inflation <laughs> no, 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 ends up no. like really complicated. No, you you didn't complicate it. You explained it perfectly well. It's more just sometimes there's like a little bit of, it's the honest truth, eh? And yeah, yeah. Uh, right now, like that's what that's what it is. And you just have to figure out how you're gonna adapt to it. And as you said, like don't react extremely. No mm-hmm. knee jerk reactions because that's gonna screw you over in the big time. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Same with investing in really weird ass coins and cryptos. Fucking yeah. weird. Stop yeah. doing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Crypto market is just, really bad. Uh, oh, I have like. Oh, yeah. And, and that's what I want to transition into because, like, right now, I don't think it's with investors per se, but you can correct me on it. But when it comes to crypto, it's as if crypto is the solution to poverty when mm. and and that's like how a lot of influencers are like living their lives it's like well, you know like buy my course yeah learn how to invest in crypto and then like you can live wherever the fuck for 300 euros in bali which is like okay you have a nice villa but like it there's more to that and obviously mm. right now i don't know how bad crypto was last week but it was like a shit show mm-hmm. yeah, it was really but bad. i think it just uncovered the uh, it's not even fraud but like there's a few coins that are just like weird and they have no sense in my opinion anyways um i can say that um (laughs) nicole when it comes to creating content Mm -hmm. like investing content right Mm -hmm. considering that it is quite a male-dominated space what was your experience like doing that have you faced any backlash yeah actually um I have and I or critique (laughs) yeah for sure so I create content mainly on TikTok that's been like our best platform where we've seen the most engagement um from so that was great but also a young woman talking about stocks is quite rare you know anywhere um and especially maybe a young Irish woman I think I might be the only one on TikTok talking about that and yeah I've had um I have had a little bit of backlash I've had like, you know, comments from, I'm not being like biased, but they are always men. Like they're always men. Every comment, every negative comment we've got, I've got about like say my appearance or like just saying like things, trying to contradict me, trying to make what I said wrong and things like that. So that wasn't nice to see. But to be honest, it happens only like one time every, like 99 comments are nice. One comment is bad. Um, But that's, that's going to happen. And I see it with other like creators on TikTok. I think um, TikTok is actually apparently the worst for troll comments and on any other social, on any social media platform. So you kind of have to have a bit of a thick skin about it. But um, in general, the, the feedback we've gotten from women has been great on social media. And I think that's what kind of encouraged me and Anne-Marie then to start the FML Fund My Life podcast because there's not enough um, resources for women out there about investing. So, and yeah, the feedback we've got from, I think we've only started FML about two months ago, really. Um, And yeah, we've gotten really good feedback from Irish women and women in general saying like that, oh, they're really happy that there's this kind of um, content for them. And yeah, we're trying to make it fun and approachable and just basically make investing seem easy as possible. When it comes to women in the investing space or in the industry, what is that like mm-hmm. right now? What does it look like? Yeah, there's still a lack of representation for women. Um, I mean, we recently um, interviewed someone from ARK Invest, which is one of the most famous investment companies in the world. And she still says that um, like she's their chief strategy officer. And she says that she's regularly the only woman, you know, in a boardroom um, filled with men and 
yeah like there's just basically a lack of representation and um, it's still considered a boys club in Beston and maybe that goes maybe because of films like The Wolf of Wall Street <laughs> and things like that as well but it always has been and it still is but more women than ever are investing in the stock market and taking control of their finances um more than ever and I think that's also because more women are not getting married um, more women are staying in their careers for longer now. Um, there's loads of reasons, like more women are, you know, buying a house on their own than ever before. So then they're like, okay, well, I have to take control of my finances. Investing is the best way to build wealth um, individually. So there's, yeah, it is getting better, but there is still a massive gap. And it's very obvious sometimes. Is there a reason why before, like... It, it became a big boys club or was it just mm. like the way the world worked when it was like women had less control over their finances than men and were bringing less money than men yeah i, I would you... say it's probably a hangover from like a lack of mm. um female like female employment like 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 women entering like a number of fields and even just like the workforce in general is relatively new um, you know, I often hear like women in the United States talk about in the 1970s, like it wasn't possible for a woman to have a credit card, like without a man co-signing on the application, mm-hmm. um, which is like just ridiculous. So I think it's like, it's just a hangover, like it's stuff like, like change like this takes time. I think people have this tendency to say, oh, we're living in a post-feminist society. We're like, oh, we're, we've achieved equality. Things are over. <laughs> like, you know, like a woman can work in any industry. It's great. And I always think that's so ridiculous because change is so generational you know it will take probably two or three more generations after us before women will achieve um true equality and that's like just maybe looking at the united states and maybe not considering any other country you know things are going to happen so differently and i think like one of the factors we have seen repeatedly in terms of the wealth gap which is important to distinguish the wealth gap from the earning gap. So um, we tend to hear the wage gap quite consistently. I think now it's like 77 cents to every dollar that a man makes, um, a woman takes home. But basically because of then them making less money and then you know a number of other factors like the tendency that women are expected to stay home with children so they will temporarily exit the workforce or that they tend to be working in fields that are um, paid less because you know they're often pushed out of other fields um, it basically means that that wage gap is made dramatically worse over time um, also then by like women maybe not feeling comfortable enough to invest on their own or, or approach a financial planner so the the wealth gap between men and women is actually 40 percent so when women enter retirement they tend to have four Forty percent less money than men, which is really significant. That's a tremendous amount of money. Mm. Um, and so the only way we can actually fix that is we can't go to women who are already in retirement. It's too late um, because investing is this like really long term journey. So like the only thing we can do now is go to women who are like in their 20s and 30s who are entering the workforce who might be getting like their first proper job where they're comfortable enough to be putting money consistently into savings. And we have to go to them and say, hey, if you don't begin investing now, you could end up 40% poorer upon your retirement. Mm -hmm. And that's such a bummer because we have seen in a bunch of studies that have been conducted recently by big by big financial firms, women are better investors than men. They're more level headed. They're better at like recognizing risk. They're better at leaving their money in place. Like when inflation happens, when recession happens, when the market is down, when we're in a bear market, women just leave their money there. They don't take it out. Men tend to take their money out. And there was Mm -hmm. one study that showed that on average, women are outperforming men by about 2% a year. And I know 2% sounds like nothing, but if that if they were to maintain that 2% advantage over 30 years, the average woman would end up with a portfolio worth 25% more than the average man. So it's just mm-hmm. like these little consistent changes make dramatic changes over long periods of time. And so I think that's what we're really interested mm-hmm. in kind of spreading the, the word about. Yeah. Go women. Yeah. And yeah. women also women also make better long-term investors as well. Um, because I think they're more prone to being able to think, okay, I'm going to invest for my children's education, or they're able to see maybe really clearly their retirement so they can really think kind of far out because we're used to thinking like that, um, like naturally. So I think that's a really interesting point. And yeah, like even though women are like, we're said to be the more emotional ones, but actually men invest more on their emotion. So when they get, when they're yeah. more likely to panic, panic sell, um, you know, maybe in, put m- too much more 
money into something before properly researching it whereas we don't we actually just sit back and think think about the risk and then think about the long-term mindset all those components make you a great long-term investor so I think that's really interesting about the emotional part because we always get labeled (laughs) as more emotional but not an investing yeah, like there's a reason that like 90% of NFTs are owned by men. Like no reasonable woman is sitting there being like, I'm going to I'm going to go buy a, an electronic monkey. I think that's a good idea. Like Oh, yeah. they're so expensive. It's a fucking it's joke. Like yeah. I under I appreciate web3. I appreciate the metaverse like I am all for learning, but don't come fucking telling me that all these Mona Lisas are costing a milli, if mm. not more. Yeah, and there's like 100 and then after the board ape yacht club comes the board bunny yacht club and those are also <laughs> selling too that's crazy <laughs> but uh, it's wild oh it's i appreciate again like i understand the concept of artwork and all that but like fuck me how many communities do you want to get into for a free t-shirt like uh, <laughs> you know yeah. as in you have to re- look revisit your model man. <laughs> um n- n- again fair play i'd love that money you know like yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyways that's nfts and monkeys uh what was i gonna say about <laughs> we were talking about some i always have to shit on something <laughs> um when it comes to women you were talking about like uh, how women are better investors and all that but you mentioned something about putting money aside and ideally investing month on a monthly basis yeah mm. now i know that like your professional responses invest as much as you could you could afford mm. like i'm sure that that's what you guys say all the time yeah. but ideally if you want to avoid poverty when you're older, forty <laughs> percent to be specific, how much should you be investing a month? Anne Marie, hmm. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> should, uh, okay. <laughs> it really is going to like I can't get like I can't give you a number. I can't be like two hundred and fifty euro a month, like because that's going to be entirely dependent upon. Um, your income i would say kind of like step one before you invest which is something that me and nicole have to talk about all the time is you need to have six months of emergency funds and savings like in a savings account that you can easily access so like step one no don't invest first off we calm down and we put six months of emergency money into savings and how much should emergency money be you have you have to like do it yourself. So you need to sit down and you need to look at a month. You have to like, you have to do Mm. like an Excel spreadsheet with yourself, which I know is a big ick. And you need to go, okay, my rent is this. This is how much I spend on food. This Mm. is like what I'm spending on, I don't know, health, like healthcare. And you like, if you have pets, you need to put down like your pet spending. And then you need to give yourself a little emergency cushion in case, I don't know, you end up in the hospital, your dog gets sick, something like that. And then you have to multiply it by six. And then mm. you probably need to add like 10% more because people are really bad at estimating how much money they spend. And then you have to put that into a savings account. Hopefully that has a somewhat decent interest rate. But in Ireland, those are really hard to find. So just look for an interest rate that's above 0.01% because that one's pretty bad. Um, and then once you have that done, then you can start looking into investing. And it really is just going to be, again, you have to budget and you have to be like, how much money do I have left over at the end of the month? And then probably a little bit of it should then go into savings once you have your emergency fund. And then the rest, you can say, okay, I'm going to invest this amount. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want like actual numbers of how much money you'll end up with at the end, we have a compound calculator mm-hmm. at My Wall Street and it allows you to put in, okay, if I invest 20 bucks a week and this is the average market return and I invest for 30 years, how much money am I going to come out with at the end? And it is shocking how much money you'll make yeah. um, just with like an average market return of like 9 and 10%. Mm-hmm. With my Wall Street, is it the kind of app or kind of business where you throw in 20 and then it goes where it goes as long as it gives me money back? So is it kind of like a, what's, it, what's the word? Is it stockbroker? Like, does is it, it kind does of like it do that? It for or do you? you choose where your money goes? You choose. Yeah, does it do it for you? That's basically it. No, no, no. You, you choose. choose. So you'll All set right. up your own brokerage account. And then what my Wall Street provides is, yeah, like as Amory mentioned before, um, like a short list of stocks. And these are picked by the analyst team, but also constantly updated. So if anything hap- like changes in the business, um, the analyst will let you know and they'll update their comments on the stock, which is really like um handy and will save mm. you... <laughs> 
countless hours of time and research and then you'll also be given like daily stock news and podcasts to help you get started keep you updated on the market all these different things and then there yeah stock of the month picks which is like if you invest in this company right now this is like when we're really backing at the moment and then yeah as Amory also said we add a new stock um to the portfolio um every month as well just so we, just to ensure that like everyone has kind of what they're interested in there's a stock basically to cover anything that you're interested in and we always are finding new great companies and then also keeping them updated but that's the kind of value that my wall street brings exactly like it's obviously a little bit more hands-on than just throwing money at someone and being like you do you you know just yeah. give me my money back kind of for a yeah. percentage yeah and like those fund managers okay. like that would be more of like a fund manager and like they're only they're so expensive mm. to work with so like this is kind of cool yeah, because they... you're getting you're getting like you're basically getting a f- kind of like fund manager advice but for such a like for such a small fee like that's the kind of thing that's kind of our mission is to get the world investing successfully and make it accessible and you know that what investing isn't just for rich people anymore that can afford fund managers it's for it's for everyone yeah and you kind Mm -hmm. of get educated on it I think it's I'm all for like learning Mm -hmm. whatever like it may be and obviously ideally you know where your money's going Mm mm-hmm obviously yeah. that means full ownership of if you fucked up that's on you you know what I mean yeah but uh, yeah. it definitely helps eh? yeah I think it's it really helps us um like reduce panic because I think the way it traditionally used to work it would be you would find like a mutual fund manager and you would just give him your money and you would be like mm-hmm. okay I'll check back in in a year but it's quite faceless <laughs> like you don't know what that man is doing with your money and also he's <laughs> trying to maximize like the money coming in because he gets a massive bonus off of like whatever he makes um whereas i think yeah you get much better ownership over your investments when you have selected the company yourself and it does mean that people are better than at holding through market downturns because they're like no it's okay like for example like i own stock in costco i have like the market Shock. like costco could drop 50 percent, and i'd be like it's fine because like my parents are at Costco every week so like someone is spending money at Costco namely my parents but like like I have full faith that that stock will be fine you know what I mean so Mm -hmm. um yeah it does just make you feel better and you kind of go into somewhat of an an autopilot um where like the first six months that you invest you have to pick out your own stocks you will genuinely check them every 15 minutes and you'll be so frightened every day and then it will kind of wear off because you will find faith in yourself. And you'll be like, no, I did my due diligence. I did the research. I'm familiar with this company. You know, I've read up on them. I've had anal- like I've read analyst reports about the company. You know, I feel good. Um, and you kind of you get a little bit of confidence. It's nice. Like you get a feeling of ownership over your financial decision making that you don't get if you're going through a fund manager. I see. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Fair play to you guys for selling it. <laughs> Like, uh, if <laughs> i ever download the app. podcast i'll go to you and you write the script <laughs> yeah our marketing download team is so, our marketing Find team is somewhere being, being like give the actual website yeah <laughs> yeah read the website first yeah. terms and, we, and conditions do and we apply. offer a free and we offer a free trial <laughs> free trial so you can try everything yeah. oh there you go yeah yeah okay so is it like a subscription thing yeah like, it's a subscription uh, every month after the free trial yeah, it's a subscription service. Okay. So then, but you How get much? like seven a days month. free trial. It actually works out a lot better if you. Um, it's like under a hundred dollars a year, isn't it, Amory? That's right. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's but, um, fine. It, it's it's yeah, more expensive if you just yeah exactly think of it like the cheapest fund manager you'll ever have. Easy <laughs> access to Anne Marie and Nicole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and loads of other people. You can just get chatting to them. <laughs> Yeah. And loads of yeah, other people. And yeah. Loads of like much more experienced um a- like analysts. Like our CEO Emmett has like been investing for like twenty years. He is very yeah. impressive. So you can mm-hmm. listen to all of his little nuggets of advice as well. I always find this interesting. I read uh, no, I did not read anything. I came across like TikTok or something yeah, and there we go. shite. <laughs> <laughs> um but it was basically about like brands and their CEOs. And it's like usually like the most successful companies are the ones where the CEO have their own like reputation. And the yeah. company is also like really good. And mm-hmm. then it's just like a really nice thing. And the way you talk about your CEO or the founder mm-hmm. is just like, oh, makes sense why the company is succeeding. Yeah. How, how, mm-hmm. uh, how many employees are working at my Wall Street right now? 
Only like 26, 25, 26. Oh, yeah. it's small. Yeah, small yeah, Irish. it's yeah, small. small. And it, yeah. yeah, and it's yeah. all, it's an Irish startup. Um, but yeah, like we've, like we've been on like big publications. So for a small company, like we've done a lot, but yeah, like most of the, most of the people, <clears throat> like it doesn't take that many people to manage it. I guess the analysts, um, they do their stocks and then like we have writers and then we just have an engineering team to keep the app kind of going in the background. So yeah, like we've we have a lot of users, oh, yeah. but it doesn't take a massive team, so that's cool. It's amazing. Mm. Good on you. Yeah. Good on you. <laughs> Thanks. Good on Ireland. Um, all right. So we we were talking about women investing, all that sort of thing, and you kind of went back to the basics. Now, when you also mentioned right now with the current crisis that it is that we're at, you briefly touched on the fact that now is actually a better time to be investing. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would be like a little bit more in-depth advice when it comes to investing during a recession? Mm. Like, are there any red flags that people should look out for that people should know about? Is there something that is a green flag, for example, or a good sign? Um, I think something that I've been looking at recently um, in terms of when like picking individual companies or looking at individual stocks um so just a little bit of background info um when you're a publicly listed company you have to release a quarterly report which is kind of like a financial wellness check you put out for a year they're really beneficial for us like as analysts and investors because it's complete transparency from the company so you can check in with like I don't know what new products they're developing or what their management team is up to and how much money they're making and how profitable they are and stuff like that And in this last quarter, we've seen a number, particularly of tech companies in a lot of various spaces, particularly like the crypto market, um, even like the finance end of things, Tesla, like they're laying employees off. Coinbase, right? Yeah. Coinbase laid off like 25% of their people. It was crazy. Crazy. Um, And so a green flag for me right now has been listening to management teams discuss whether or not they're going to lay people off. Because Mm. if a company is laying off employees, what that tells me is that they got overexcited and they hired too many people. And that is exactly what happened to Coinbase. So Coinbase made a whole bunch of money in like 2020 and 2021 because people were sitting in their homes with nothing to do and they had money in their bank accounts and they said, I want to make more money and I have time to think about this right now. So it meant that they poured money into cryptocurrency and NFTs and all these ridiculous things. And now that is beginning to reverse, right, where people are taking their money out because they're worried, which is fair enough. But Coinbase did really well in those, you know, several quarters where people were pouring money into cryptocurrency because that's what Coinbase does. And obviously, they hired too many people. Like, they took on too many people because they thought this growth that we're experiencing, this is going to, we're going to maintain this. It's going to be like this forever. The US dollar is going away and we're all going to be on Bitcoin, right? (laughs) Which did not happen. And so now they're laying off 25% of their staff, which is really unfortunate. Like, that's impacting, like, people's livelihoods. Um, But it tells me that the management team didn't do a good job in creating a long-term plan that was sustainable for the business, right? Mm -hmm. They just like reacted to trends and you don't want a business that's reactionary you want a business that's really considerate that's thinking right how many people do we need for the next five years the next 10 years and so a really great green flag i've seen recently is hearing management teams talk about saying oh no we're not going to be laying anybody off we're totally fine if we go into a recession we're like in a position to maintain all of our staff and moving forward we will be continuing to hire but maybe at a slower pace that to me sounds really great so like a management team that spoke about that recently is for a company called Salesforce. Very boring business. Wow. It sounds familiar super, though. Super boring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a massive company, like tens of thousands of employees. They're a great business in terms of actually gender equality. They have an but entire they're, they're <laughs> so boring. God. They <laughs> like they cre- do. They create <laughs> they create software for businesses, right? But like back-end software. So they help with like um, automating customer service processes or like maintaining like a good overview on like your stock units and stuff like that. Like they're very important for like e-commerce businesses and stuff like that. Um, Very, very, very successful business. Like one of the earliest kind of software companies that emerged in the 1990s. They are really great in terms of um, equality 
and like representation and stuff like that. They have an entire department within the company that all they do is sit every quarter and make sure that the men and women in various departments are being paid the same because they have found over time statistically that men will just end up being paid more than women because of everyone's like internalized misogyny. So they're a very nice, lovely company. But <laughs> on their most recent quarterly call, their CEO got on and he was like, oh, um, no, like we're not going to be laying anybody off. But for the next year, we'll probably just be more conservative with our hires. And to me, I was like, Bing, excellent. Because that means that they were thinking in the long term, even when they were really excited two years ago and they were making a bunch of money. So that mm-hmm. is a great green flag for their That's current on, yeah. conditions. Interesting. Okay. So again, it goes back to probably company transparency. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Is it hard to find companies that are actually transparent when it comes to their quarterly reports and just telling their story? Um, It can be like... We, myself and, so like our head analyst for the My Wall Street product is a guy named Rory and he's my boss and we talk um, pretty consistently about companies. And like his number one, I would say green flag is transparency. Like a company should be doing so well that they are going painfully out of their way to give you information. Like when you open a company's quarterly report, they should, like I can always tell when a company is doing well based upon how nice the graphs look in the quarterly report. (laughs) Like if a company has like 15 graphs and they all look really nice and they're like very informative and they have nice captions on them and they're explaining everything to you, I'm going, great, this company's doing so well, they're going to backflip to show me how well they're doing. They hire the graphic designer too, good on them. Yeah, (laughs) they have enough money for a graphic designer. Yeah, that's Um, important. Yeah, but stuff like that, like companies should be very enthusiastic to tell you, oh, we have this product coming down the pipeline, Mm -hmm. we're excited about this. Um, That being said companies will try and hide stuff from you. We literally saw, I think on Friday, there was a big investigation was completed in the United States looking into Robinhood, that brokerage company. Um, And it turns out they were hiding a whole bunch of stuff from the public (laughs) that basically the US House, um, the like House Finance Committee had to go and dig up and um, basically be like, you didn't disclose any of this to anyone. And that does happen. And we've seen that even with like um, companies like Peloton recently has been caught up with stuff like that, where they've had... Um, issues with their products that they weren't disclosing to the public. So you will have transparency issues like that. And it is going to impact the stock and the company. Truthfully, the only way around that is to have a diversified portfolio. So it's okay. If one of your companies has this massive scandal and the stock goes to shit, that's fine because you're holding 15 companies. So it's okay. Like you, your overall portfolio will be all right. Mm-hmm. And that is unfortunate, but like that is just the nature of things. Like people are, some people are going to betray your trust and try and hide stuff from you in the name of them making money and like the company not doing too well so yeah like people will lie not all of them but like unfortunately majority of the time they will i actually mentioned robin hood this weekend where i was like i can't wait for a film to come out over the whole gamestop Mm. situation and my wall street bets because that's like (laughs) it's as if time froze in that moment yeah it was really crazy well yeah i can only imagine like how many people just like automatically started investing in my wall street and app downloads in that moment in time yeah we yeah we did see a huge surge of users it was kind of good because i think they saw us as like providing the opposite information so like we you know we don't recommend day trade and we don't recommend investing in meme stocks so like i think invest investing in general became more popular but then it also it was nice because these people that want to just like have find good information about investing found us and i'm sure there were a few people that wanted to download our app just so we, they can invest in you know meme stocks and stuff like that or find out our opinion on it but yeah like i remember yeah our downloads were really good when during the whole like craze and but um yeah we were always telling people to be super cautious like because this is like not a long-term investment thesis like just because a group of people on reddit are driving a stock really high is not a reason for you to buy shares in the company and now it's kind of happening again with revlon it's that like the company revlon recently filed for a type of bankruptcy and um yeah reddit users pushed the stock up knowing that it would cause a short squeeze so i don't think we're out of the meme stock woods yet oh no we're not gonna be (laughs) i think this is gonna be like a definition of our life you know mm. what I mean? I think we wrapped on, we harped on about like a lot of like money stuff and women stuff. So mm-hmm. women, if you're listening to this, don't underestimate yourselves, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably definitely. one of the most important things because 
I I think very often we ask for a lot of permission when it comes to handling our money, asking mm-hmm. for raises. Like we don't think that we're worth X amount. Mm-hmm. So probably being a little bit more confident. Do you see that when it comes mm-hmm. to, would you have any data insight when it comes to women and trading on your platform and how they act that you can um, disclose? I wouldn't say we have much data to show how women in, in our app trade but we have a lot more men like users I think like 80% of our um, users are male and we're trying to like oh, wow. pro- proactively change that um but we've gotten like some great feedback from like female users like recently like one of our users actually paid off her mortgage um 30 years early by investing with us so like th- things like that is like amazing when we hear stuff um like obviously customer testimonials like that we love to hear um but yeah I'm not really sure about how they like do you mean like what stocks they invest in and things like that of course like you can mention stocks they invest in Mm. their return you already like briefly touched on but Mm. uh, is it mostly on a monthly basis that they do and what are you hoping attracts women to come on the app more often I was just going to say, like, I remember reading some studies when we, like, wrote up, like, when me and Nicole came on board at my Wall Street, we, the first Women's History Month that we were there, that we were both working Mm. there, we, like, produced a lot of content centered around, like, female investment. And I remember doing a lot of research into companies that had been set up specifically to target women and try and get them into investing. And the, like, number one thing that all of these companies ended up seeing was that the most beneficial thing for recruiting other women into investment was like it like wasn't any marketing scheme or anything like that it was getting like one woman in the door and then asking her to like go and talk to her friends and that has like genuinely been like in my own personal life like that has been the most significant thing like I started working at my wall street and then I went to like all of my friends who are all around my age who are also working like they're like, pro- like who are kind of in their first you know like proper job where you're salaried and you're making enough that you can put a little bit in savings and I went to them and I was like here like have you guys considered investing mm. and I think that conversation is really different in Ireland than it is maybe in the U.S. because I think a lot of people Irish people tend to be like oh I'm just gonna put money in my pension um, but I think like when you're young there is a really significant opportunity to take advantage of compound interest and to be doing a little bit of independent investing on your own mm-hmm. and so it has then meant that like all of my friends have gained this awareness and this interest. And so really, yeah, if you're a woman and you're listening and you're already investing or you're interested in investing, probably the best thing you can do is like go get a group of your friends and start talking about it seriously. And maybe, you know, each of you access different resources and kind of have open conversations about that. And we know that's actually something that some of our users do. Um, There's one woman and she like runs a monthly, her and her friends have like a monthly investing check-in and they all come around and talk (laughs) about like what stocks they're interested in or like what stocks they Mm -hmm. like or, you know, what they've bought that month or yeah, kind of how they're feeling in the current market conditions. And I think that's really valuable because then you feel supported on your journey and I think like my Wall Street is set up to support you but we're still at the end of the day like strangers whose job it is and we produce content for this app but I think having people around you who are on a similar Mm -hmm. journey I think definitely helps to ease some of those worries I never thought of it that way but you are right I think it is community at the end of the day Mm. yeah and like helping each other out you know yeah nothing that like a marketing scheme can ever like top uh, yeah. rather than just like telling each other like stories and success stories yeah failures as well you know mm-hmm. like I think yeah. you also have to learn from other people's mistakes so mm-hmm. ideally people talking about their mistakes would really help as well yeah I actually on a recent episode of myself and Anne-Marie's podcast FML um I was talking about a mistake I made on early on was selling a stock too early so like I wanted to go on holiday and I sold my Tesla shares and um which is not what you know the my Wall Street mindset is but obviously life gets in the way sometimes and I just didn't like have the budget for it or obviously the savings which we recommend but that was a learning lesson for me and then since then I have started my savings and then I like I was then I was like okay well maybe I can't invest this much in the stock market because I need to build up my savings and it was a really good lesson because Tesla stock went up the next week and I was like no so annoying and I still haven't built up my Tesla like amount that I have back to the same back to the same amount that I did before I sold so yeah like but it's all it's all like a lesson and like I was only an investor for like 
six months do you know what I mean so like yeah we try to like tell stories like that as well like that you know we're not like perfect but we've learned so much from it being our jobs and like we want to tell women that you know you don't have to be this perfect expert analyst like trade like mathematician person to start investing it's actually just picking some companies that you love and that other analysts are talking well about and monitoring it and diversifying and just investing the same amount every month because then you don't even have to really think about it I think like you know trying to time the market is impossible like you know so just put in if you're putting in 200 200 euros in 2020 when everything was going up put in the same amount now that everything is going down because you'll actually be better off you don't have to think about it yeah like little Mm -hmm. expectations I think that's expectation Mm -hmm. management over something that is completely out of your control Mm -hmm. is probably a healthy approach Mm -hmm. speaking of like beginners and all that kind of stuff now like I'm gonna ask you a really like dummy question but I need to understand it right Mm -hmm. so like you mentioned Tesla stock like how much is one Tesla stock right now probably like seven hundred dollars okay so let's say it's at six hundred dollars when it comes to like a good piece of advice when it comes to investing do you go for like zero point percentages of one stock, for example, mm. or is it better to buy more than one whole stock, if that makes sense, of one company? Okay. Six hundred, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so obviously the turn, like uh, I'm assuming that the return on that investment was would be less, correct? Mm-hmm. Like if you're gonna put ten euro versus six hundred. Mm. yeah yeah okay based on that information would it be better practice technically if you had say 30 euros to be put and there's a company which has like one whole stock which is like closer to the 30 euro mark Mm. or less than 30 euro to put it into like one whole thing rather than splitting it up and Um, I know that diversifying your portfolio is a good thing Mm -hmm. but then in terms of like just money making in general I'm just asking like for me to understand as well Um, I'd say it really truthfully like doesn't make you you don't want to split it well split it between three different companies because well, yeah, if you have like 30 yeah. euros, yeah, because then there's more oh. chance, like w- like two might do really well, one might not do as well. But imagine if you put 30 euros into one, the one that doesn't do that well. That's the way I would see it. Mm. You also, you also kind of need to think about it as well in terms of like your broader portfolio. So like if this mm. is the first 30 euro that you're ever going to invest, like Nicole is dead right, like sp- yeah. split it up, put it into like big like solid consistent companies and because you're it's kind of like building an investment portfolio is kind of like building a pyramid like you need this really strong and stable foundation which is like big slow moving companies and then you can like put riskier kind of ideas on top of it but you want to try and insulate yourself from um you know like the market like going into a bear market for example for two Mm. years because you're gonna be very upset but a larger company isn't going to feel that as much as a a much smaller company they can be very very volatile um so yeah like nicole is right like you should split it up and diversify the only time i would say oh like maybe just put it into one company is if i don't know like if your entire portfolio was had was a thousand euro and you just happened to have Mm. an extra 30 euro and you wanted to put it into something you could then Mm. like put it into a single company because in terms of like the percentage of your total portfolio it's not very much yeah so yeah Yeah. and uh, based on that pyramid i'm a very visual person so that's like really helped Mm. the company at the top would be the riskiest yeah i see 
And then in terms of like value that you're putting in, like that you're investing in, would that be like slightly higher than what you have at the bottom? So like, let's say if you're a pyramid Mm -hmm. is spread out with 100 euros at the bottom, then the riskier one would be just 100 euro for one stock or more than one stock per se. That would be totally dependent upon like how much risk you want your portfolio to have. And it kind of like the way you want your investment career to go on is you can take more risk earlier in your investment career. So if you're in your 20s, you can take more risks because you have more time for that like stock to recover. So if you're investing in your 20s, you might have a 30-year horizon. So it's okay. Mm. Like you can you can invest riskier. And then you want to decrease risk as you get older because there's a higher likelihood that you might need to take some of the money out, you know, if you need to retire early or something like that. Um, but I, yeah, you kind of have to sit down and be like, okay, 30% of my portfolio is going into an index fund. 25% is going into big tech stocks. You kind of have to like break it down for yourself. And then probably the part of the pie that's in, you know, quite high risk stocks will decrease as you get, as you get older. Okay. Awesome. I learned a lot today. <laughs> Thanks. Thank good. you so much. No problem. I appreciate it. Uh, did, is there anything that I missed? I think we're all good. My Wall Street is amazing. Seven day free <laughs> trial. Yeah, you know, there's like two tiers to the app as well, right? You can get the CEO's advice for a higher price, correct? Yeah, yeah. So there's Horizon, Horizon, which is like, yeah, which is run by um, Emmett. Like personally, it's it's you literally get to watch him live trade, so you see absolutely Mm -hmm. everything that he buys and sells for his own personal investment account. So it's he's using all his own money. Um, That product is much more expensive because you're like literally watching an expert trader mm-hmm. um but the standard my wall street is yeah like a hundred dollars a year fair enough there's a reason why it costs a thousand for sure eh? yeah thank you so much girls i appreciate it thank you for having us on thank you for having us and thank you everyone for listening Longer days collective